Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Mishra's Bubble. My name is Francisco, your co-host tonight, today, wherever you're at. And alongside me, we have the other two best co-hosts in the business, Spider Space and Everos. How are you guys doing? Hey, you got a real person name. That that That's cheating. <laughs> okay. You got a human name. I want to be Evan. (laughs) Evan and Gabriel? You're Gabriel, right? Like, I don't know your name. You don't know my name. We're we're, we're like 23, and it's like, who's that guy? It's it's like like Saffron Olive, right? Like, you're Gabriel better known as Spider Space. There you go. Anyway, so uh, we have a very straightforward episode today for you because spoilers. That's it, spoilers. We have spoilers that are done for the Kamigawa Neon, not Destiny, but actually Neo Dynasty set, which is going to be coming up uh, this week, actually, so very, very uh, shortly. And uh, we actually got, it feels like more than we usually get for uh, for uh, a regular standard set than we often do. Like, it's been a while since we got this many well. potentially good cards, or potentially playable cards, let's call it. S- since they have gotten off the train of, like, making standard absurd so like off the <laughs> off the like eldraine train and in like standard sets kind of chilled out this is this definitely feels like um like more more eternally playable cards than normal for sure they put 10 great basics done <laughs> right off the bat we've got we've got our basics upgraded that's true those are nice uh yeah they're actually super nice but uh, no, we actually have some good cars, which we're going to be going over in our top 10 uh, list. We also have a couple of uh, flukes that we wanted to, to point out. And those are a couple of cars that we think that people are going to uh, try out. They're definitely going to try out. And obviously, they're going to crash and burn really, really quickly. Uh, and then we also have a couple of honorable mentions to go over real quick as well. But uh, before we even get started with that, uh, we have to... We cannot be a modern podcast and not talk about what happened this weekend in the modern challenges, right? We just can't not do that. We could. <laughs> we could oh, just skip enough. it. Huh? <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I guess we could, but we're not going to because... It's nonsense. It's so much nonsense, dude. This this honestly feels like a nonsense of the week kind of deal right here, but somehow... This deck took down the Modern Challenge, and what this does to me is showcase the power of Ragavan as per Sentinel and Ursa Saga. I like just you can put any cards around those, and you can still have a challenge winning deck. Uh, but this one really takes that to the extreme, and we're actually pairing uh, all of those cards with Crack the Earth. And for those of you that don't know what Crack the Earth does, um you were probably fine because, like, why would you ever know what this card does? <laughs> but apparently now you have to because it's a one red sorcery arcane, notably, and it says each player sacrifices a permanent. So what do you do with this? Well, you pair your Crack the Earth with Voldaren Epicure. That's another card that you probably didn't know that it existed. It's called, it's uh, from the uh, Crimson Vow set, the, the latest set that we had before this one. And it's a one mana, one one that it when enters the battlefield, it pings uh, the opponent and it creates a blood token. So you have some really bad cards 
and you pair them with crack the earth and you can sack your uh, you know your blood token or your one one and you can sack your flagstones of trocare and you can make your opponent sacrifice uh, probably a land ideally i would assume also notably ragavan makes treasures that you can sack to crack the earth as well um, and then what you do is you pair this with Boombust to blow up your opponent's lands even harder, and then you have four mana types to mana type them to death. It's just those three good cards you said, just caked with the saltiest cards in the format. Like, <laughs> like the salty, the the most salt-inducing cards in the format: mana type and Boombust. It's, it's at least for me kind of awful. Know. Like you go, you, you pay for Esper Sentinel. And then your opponent manatides you after you paid because it's like nice paying, idiot. <laughs> yeah, it it there's there's been a deck in the format that has looked like this for a while, um, w- with like that kind of that package of of like the boombus manatide stuff with flagstones. But that was um, that was always like finishing the game with like four mana planeswalkers instead of all these like very strong low to the ground creatures right it was playing like chandra torch of defiance or like nahiri that kind of stuff um and then it was usually like playing the larger um land destruction spells as well like um whatever, molten rain or stone rain or whatever um but this is this is taking it like to the ground it's bringing it like as low to the ground as it can and then winning with these really low to the ground threats that you know pair really nicely with neither playing have neither player having lands like this is a deck that i feel like you're you're super fine just casting these boom effects when you don't have the combo of like flagstones where it's a lot harder to do that than the other one because you do need to get four mana um it it seems kind of scary <laughs> like, like it seems like a pile of bad cards that would actually be really frustrating to play against um Seems like one of the scarier decks to let untap with a Ragavan as well. Yeah, can, can you imagine like being on the draw against this deck? That's what I'm saying. Like, if this deck is on the play, you're dead for real. Like, they go turn one monkey, then they attack you. Turn two, boon bust, hold up mana tide. It seems like an incredibly frustrating deck to play against. <laughs> I, I I can't I can't reiterate how frustrating this deck seems like it is to play against. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. Um, and I do, so I do imagine that there's a lot of the surprise factor in this deck. Cause by the way, this deck didn't, o- didn't only win the entire, uh, Saturday challenge, but it also, uh, there's another copy in the top eighth as well in seventh place, which is actually quite similar. Uh, but you know, it, it has some very, very minor changes instead of playing Voldaren Epicures, it's actually playing, um, chromatic stars so that's like another artifact that you can you know play and sacrifice in order to you know just sack it for value so it's slightly different also uh, this deck is obviously a saga deck so you can go find your chromatic star uh, from from your society which is actually kind of nice but um yeah so the the i imagine that there's a lot of value to be gained from you know your opponent is just not knowing that they're about to get manatized and they're just like playing, uh, playing into it, or you know, you you have an Esper Sentinel in play. That your opponent plays a spell, then they pay for the Esper Sentinel, so you don't draw, and then you mana type the spell right there. 
Dude, you try to play around Mana Tide by waiting a turn, and they just blow up another land. You can't play around the Mana Tide. <laughs> That's the <laughs> thing. They, they just keep blowing up the land. You're always stuck behind it. It's kind of great. Yeah, it's weirdly uh, interesting how all of these piles of trash cards <laughs> may be adding up to something real. <laughs> I, uh, I want to try it. I feel like I would have some fun. I haven't I haven't manatized anyone in a long time, and ooh, that it just ooh, yeah. I'm ashamed <laughs> to say I have recently manatized people. <laughs> like real, like really recently, I have been manatizing people, but that's it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this deck sounds kind of like fun. Um, I am wondering how, um, like, whether this deck will continue to be a deck now that, you know, the cat is, the cat is out of the bag. So, you know, but what you're saying is true, though. Like, you can only play around Mana Tide for so long before you just get owned by a Boom Bust. So it feels like if, you, if you're going to be playing Mana Tide, this is a better shell than most. This is a, definitely a better shell than most. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I would expect that if you wanted to do something like to beat something like this, you can just I don't know play some some uncounterable stuff. Maybe is is the is the return of um, what's the three mana sweeper that can't be countered? Man, I haven't cast a card in so long. Can't be countered. It's like red, red, and it deals two damage to everything. Oh, is it got like split second or something? No, oh no no! It's, just, it, it's like volcanic fallout or something. That one, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's all. Maybe it's time for it's time for volcanic fallout, man. It's I mean, definitely not time for volcanic negation, fallout. Maybe seems like it could help. I, I don't know. I mean, it, oh, that sounds off. I feel like you just have to change your play patterns against this. Like you're just gonna have. You to just let him also draw. have to play manatee <laughs> to manatee the crap. Have to let him draw off Esper Sentinel. Sometimes you have to like kill the ragavan on your turn and hope they didn't get the dash like another one to dash the, that kind of thing fury seems good against that deck too kills everything i wonder i wonder how much collateral damage this deck is going to generate now right like let's say that you, you're on the play right and you're on the draw and your opponent goes turn one esper sentinel turn two uh like monkey or whatever like do you play the ren and six there <laughs> Like, or, like, even if you're yeah, on the play, like, true. do you pay for the Esper Sentinel there? Even if you don't know that your opponent's playing this exact deck list, right? Like, maybe you're just playing, like, Naya other stuff, and you're just getting, like, free equity from this deck existence, <laughs> you know? <laughs> the, the best oh. Manatee is the Manatee that lives in your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, the, the repercussions of this deck doing well in this channel, just, they just don't stop. They just don't stop. I hate it. Yeah, I know. I hate it too. Uh, what what we don't hate though is, dude, blue white is back, <laughs> and it's back in the best possible form, which is think twice form. Hell yeah, Mister Kafuyet, which is apparently Wafotapa's friend. Like they're they're friends and they like talk and I guess play blue whites together. And they actually top both challenges. They top the Saturday one, and then they won the Sunday one. So this list is packing three copies of Think Twice, somehow. 
and one copy of cryptic command yo evan you're 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 a control guy here you know you you are our our uh, resident control gamer explain to me why are we playing think twice in the year 2022 I honestly don't know. It's it's been a really long time since I played Think Twice. Like that that was in my first like getting into modern in like when I got into just straight blue white control. I was playing it at that point. And it lasted for a while. Like Think Twice was a was a part of blue white control for quite a while. Um but I I don't I don't see it now. And like it it just seems like it lines up really poorly against a lot of like that card in the face of an Esper Sentinel deck looks so bad. Like, so bad. Um, I know, imagine having to play, like, to draw a card, and you have to pay tax on it both times. Or, like, it just seems so rough. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't see... I don't see what made that the choice again. Um, but... I mean, it, it, it worked out. I, I I haven't heard any discussion on it. I you know I saw the results, but I haven't heard you know either of them talking about the card and what their thoughts on it, why they're why they made this decision. But but I I can't come to a conclusion as to why it was like the move. I mean, I'm pretty sure I've heard Wafo Tapo say he played Cryptic Command to feel young again. So right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it, it legitimately that like that could be the thing. I the like they have absolutely played cards where they're just like, whatever. I just want to play the type of blue white control that I want to play, and it could absolutely be a case of that. And they're both very good players, so they can just kind of get away with it. It can it can totally be that. I, I I'm not sold that that's like the move. Um, it is still like a chalice deck, right? So it is like it is like a cantrip that you get to play. While still having Chalice, but you know you are converting a card into two. I I, I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem. It doesn't seem correct. I I don't get it. I don't. I like can't believe you've cast Manatide, but not think twice recently. Like that that kind of bothers me. <laughs> hey, it's still a counter spell. All right, <laughs> it's still a counter spell. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one. It's a weird one for sure. I was definitely surprised to see it. Um, I mean, end of the day, it's a card that's drawn cards. It's its floor can only be so low, right? Uh, but I don't know. I would have thought it's low enough that we wouldn't be seeing it. But here we are. <laughs> yeah, such a such a wild, out of nowhere uh, kind of uh, resurgence. You know, like I I Definitely. really hadn't seen. <laughs> I, I hadn't even heard anybody talk about think twice in probably years. We we've had so many insane draw spells, right? Like deluge, yep. and uh, but I mean, I guess it's true that it does get around. Um, it does get around their own chalice, yep. which, by the way, like these decks have started to kind of shy away from from being. Uh, I I don't want to say full on chalice decks, but like being more focused chalice decks. And now we see like maybe one in the main, one in the sideboard, stuff like that. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean. This deck packing a couple of copies of Fire and Ice also surprises me a lot because I would imagine that extra copies of Fire and Ice would be better than Think Twice. I don't know. Different, at least. But I've been very impressed by the card Fire and Ice in Modern. Yeah, Fire and Ice has been super good. I, I, I've been playing a lot of Blue Moon lately. And I just pack four of that card, and it is always like so good. I, I love that they put that card in the format. 
Yeah, it, it's an absolute banger because it's just never dead and you can sometimes create some insane blowouts. Like, particularly, you know, when everybody is just trying to monkey you and as percentile you. Like, whenever you, you get to, like, you don't mind paying for the Esper Sentinel, or, or I guess not paying for the Esper Sentinel tax, if you are also killing a monkey in the process. You know, right. like you, it, it's so much uh, nicer and so much easier to, to to get value with so many powerful X1s in the format right now. So uh, definitely surprised that we are not even playing the full four copies of Fire and Ice before playing the, the Think Twices. I'm still stuck on the whole, like, Esper Sentinel Manatide thing. Like, as you said that, it occurred to me that if they Manatide you, they just played a white one-mana cryptic command, and I I got excited. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you're going you're gonna to be firing that deck up, like, as soon as we finish here. <laughs> if you're getting paired against Spider, you know what he's, he's going to be doing for the next couple of days. There, there is That's so awesome. much nonsense in these events. Like I, I just looked at the the second place where uh, Cafayette got first, and it's blue white hammer, and it's just blue for a main deck Lavinia Azorius Renegade and a couple of sideboard spell pierces. Like I, I don't know what happened this week, but the nonsense gatekeepers were they weren't at work. Let me tell you. <laughs> Yeah, the funny thing is that uh, that player also debated both challenges as well <laughs> with the same list. So clearly they're onto something, right? What is going <laughs> on? Did they just do? Did these? Did they just bribe people? Was this whole top eight of both events just bribes all the way through? Like I, it, it, they're just bizarre. They, they're really. These are probably like the weirdest results we've gotten in. A really, really long time. Like, you know, because it, it really was for, for a minute there. We had, like, week in and week out. Yeah, again, like, you know, Greg's the Shadow, you know, puts two copies in the top eight. Greg's the Shadow, Murktide, some... Hammer, four color. Every time. Like, maybe a couple of different decks here and there. And all of a sudden, it's just, like, garbage can, garbage can, garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> like, that no one's ever seen. It's crazy, which is great. Like, that's that's great. It's so weird. I, I mean, I mean, garbage can lovingly. Like it, it's just, it's wild. We got a fifth place there of like mono red Obosh with Urza's Saga as well. Like it, it, it was in full force. It, it was not a little yeah. bit of nonsense. It, like, I, I really need to emphasize how much nonsense is in these challenges. Yeah, you're you're not even done. Like second place, we also have Yorion Ursa, like Thopter Sword stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All of the decks that we never see, but like they're sweet though. Like this this deck, for example, is just like plain stone forges and nettle cysts and uh, like Thopter Foundry and your your stone forge goes goes and gets Sword of the Meek. Uh, you have access to Portable Hole, which you can find off of your Ingenious Smith. Somehow we're also packing four copies of Thraven Inspector because I guess that like we're playing four Thraven Inspector before we play four Esper Sentinel. Like that's how good. Thraven Inspector is. You know what? Thra- Thraven Inspector cracked the earth? A- anybody? A- anybody? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> that deck just keeps getting better and better by, by the minute, man. It's insane. But uh, yeah, wild, wild results this week, um, which really goes to show 
Um, like what what a great spot modern is at right now last week uh, i guess it was two weeks ago uh, we talked about um you know the, the lack of bands uh but how even though it would have been nice to see lurus go the, the format is still all over the place and, and as you can see here if you have at least a couple of good cards in there uh you can basically take the spin that you want and as long as your plan is is good and consistent and i mean blowing up lands or like Pairing Ursa with uh, with Sword of the Meek and Thopter Foundry, those are some pretty good plans, you know? So uh, as long as you have like a very nice and consistent plan and, and, and focus, I, I should say as well, and you're playing some good cards, it just feels like you can do about whatever you want in Modern right now. I agree. I, I just saw that Bob49 also top-aided both with Belcher. It's it, it's just like the same people. It's very weird. It's very weird that they that like this weekend was just super hot for like a handful of people. Very weird. Yeah, I wonder did we ever have something like this happen because we we have had like back-to-back wins and we have also had like, you know, back-to-back top eights multiple times, but like three p- different people top eighting back-to-back days with different decks. And not only different decks, but like completely the other X of the spectrum. We literally have aggro in hammer, we have combo in belcher, and we have control uh, in like the, the three ends of the spectrum in terms of archetypes. And Very weird. three different uh, people managed to top eight back-to-back events. It's pretty wild, honestly. But it's cool. It's cool. You love to see that kind of stuff. And you love to see, and this is something that has always been sort of a fixture of modern and it feels like it we're in that space again which is the good players that are devoted to their archetype and have spent countless hours uh, you know working on and and polishing um their their favorite decks and it it just shows like the difference between the experienced modern player and the speeders modern archetype pilot uh, versus uh, the, the newer one is it, it's pretty significant and you you can really see it here um, with, with with all of these different uh, weekend results. But that's enough about that. Let's get to let's get to the the gist of today's episode, which is Kamigawa spoilers. So. We are going to uh, start things off by talking about the honorable mentions that we have. We also have some misses that we want to discuss, like some cards that, as I said earlier, we're going to... We don't think are going to be as good as people think they are. And then we have our top 10 to go through. We have our top 10 list of cards that we think are going to be the most impactful in uh, the modern format. We already uh, talked about a couple of the cards that we're going to be discussing today in last week's episode. When we went over the spoilers that we had at that at that point in time. So today we're not going to go deeply into those specific cards. Uh, but we will, however, talk about the, the new cards. So let's start things up with uh, our own level mentions. And we have one that uh, feels close, right? Feels like a little bit close. If only it had a home in a, in a playable deck. And the name of this card is Light Paws Emperor's Voice. It's a legendary creature, Fox Advisor, for one and a white, and it's a 2-2. And the ability that it has is whenever an aura enters the battlefield under your control, if you cast it, you may search your library for an aura card with mana value less than or equal to the... Um, sorry, and equal to that aura, and with a different name than each, each aura you control, 
damn, that's like a, a <laughs> book. <laughs> little, it's insane. It almost feels like a like a puzzle. <laughs> Put that card into the battlefield attached to light boss, Emperor's Voice, then shuffle. So you cast any aura, and if you don't control another aura with that name, you go and you get anything that costs less than the aura that you cast. Or equal. Well, no, no. It can it can share a name. So so you when you cast an aura, you get to go search for an aura that does not share a name with any auras you have. The aura you cast can share a name with other auras. Oh, okay. So it was it's the just the aura around. you get can't. So it sounds like a really interesting card for obviously boggles if boggles were a thing right now. If you're if you're somebody playing boggles, this is a card that is potentially worth looking at. It basically makes it so all of your auras turn into another aura that that has to attach to this creature that does not have you know evasion or whatever it doesn't have hexproof or anything like that but still interesting doubling up your auras it's kind of doing something similar to spirit dancer in a way but instead of just drawing your random card it is straight up drawing an aura into play it seems powerful like it It does seem powerful but i just don't know yeah that that deck has so much it's not going so much for it going right against now. You, it, you have yeah. prismatic ending, catching any of your auras. You have shadow spear turning off your hexproof. You have dress down turning off your hexproof. <laughs> you have every deck playing a plague set of engineered explosives. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean it's yep, yep. it's rough right now for for you vocal players out there. <laughs> but hey, you know that this is a card that that could see that could see a home there. So. Definitely worth you know checking out if you are if you are playing bottles. Yeah, it feels like it's more angled towards stuff like Pioneer. I know that there's an Auras deck there that instead of having hexproof stuff, it has uh, you know some other spells Protection that things. grant indestructible or stuff like that to your creature. So it feels more aimed towards that uh, that that kind of format. Uh, so definitely definitely not making it in modern, or at least I would be very surprised if it did. Uh, second honorable mention, we have Tesseret Betrayer of Flesh. Two blue-blue for a legendary placewalker Tesseret with four loyalty. It has a passive ability that says the first activated ability of an artifact you activate each turn costs two less to activate. Which is... That honestly feels to me like the best line about the card. <laughs> um, but then you have the plus one, you draw two cards, then you discard two cards unless you discard an artifact card. So you draw two and you, you actually can get card advantage from it. Minus two, target artifact becomes an artifact creature. If it's a, if it isn't a vehicle, it has base power and toughness 4-4. Four, four. So you can actually grab your Sky Sovereign and turn it into, into just a creature, just swing, <laughs> which is pretty cool, I think. And minus six, you get an emblem with whenever an artifact you control becomes tapped, you draw a card. This card feels so close to me, man. So does like every Tezzeret, dude. <laughs> I feel like every Tezzeret's always like, man, this card's so close to being insane. And then it's, you see him in in Lantern, and then that's like ever it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, but this one feels, I don't know, like turning an an activated ability of an artifact make two less, and you can have this happen both of your turn and in, on your opponent's turn as well. That is powerful. What does that go with, though? Where is that yeah. good? I don't know. Like I don't know. It might be, but I don't know where that's good. Isochron scepter. 
Dude. <laughs> I sure, yeah. You, you want to build an Isochron Scepter deck with this. The old Isochron, you make it blue white, you get Teferi, you get silences, now they're free. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, no, I heard a couple of interesting 15 things. 15 card uh, combo. Uh, one of them was you can um, activate like Chromatic Sphere style cards and now they net mana. And the other one is with, um, the other use that I saw is with Signets. So the way Signets are templated, you have to tap one and then they tap for two. So now you can just tap the Signet and the Signet itself taps for two. I don't know what we're doing with that. There's just no end game there. Like, I don't know. It's it's interesting, but that's why it's an honorable mention, right? It's interesting, but I we have no idea where you would play this card. Yeah, and it just... I don't know. Like, the fact that Ursa costs two blue-blue and Ursa is just barely seeing any play whatsoever. It really... Yeah, it, re- it really... I feel like it's not going to allow this one to to pass the bar, so... Fran really wanted us to put this card on the list. (laughs) (laughs) If that wasn't painfully obvious, Spider and I are both just like, this card's terrible, man, but Fran really, he was was really pushing for this one. (laughs) It's so close, man. It's really not. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Speaking of cars that I chose to put Yeah, here's another one he picked. (laughs) ...are terrible. Spider and I are both sitting over here like, these are awful, dude. But (laughs) Fran's like, we need the honorable mentions list. Like, all right. (laughs) All right. Careful cultivation to any green for an aura. It enchants target artifact or creature. As long as enchanted permanent is a creature, it gets plus one, plus three, and has a reach. And tap green, green. Um, That's just not what the card is for what the card is for is for the channel ability so for one in a green you can discard this and you create a one one green human monk creature token that you can tap to uh, add a green so i think this could see play with stop laughing evan (laughs) (laughs) no for real i do like this card with like transmogrify um in Embrokul, like the, the kind of deck that Spider has been has been having success with, I think that you can try something like that in a deck that doesn't really go too much further. So like we saw like blue red um, in in the other version of you know the the Archon deck, and I think it's possible to just have like a red green. Uh, version because now you don't need the blue for hard evidence with this card and you can actually create tokens a uh, different way so okay <laughs> if if you could see me i would do a very dramatic thumbs down gesture um and i did this just for fran so because so he he needs to know you know uh <laughs> so the, the only version of this deck where you would be playing just base green red would be the the prime time build right and we've seen a little bit of that before i i do think that this is maybe better than like uh the the you know make a treasure for one red mana right um strike it rich but strike it rich yeah um but i i i don't think that version of the deck is very good like to me, the backup plan, the whole like great part about creativity was that you get to go like red and six into Teferi, right? You have this just amazing fair plan, which is also why I hate that straight up blue-red version. But with the green version, this this still doesn't do the thing that Titan needs you to do of 
putting more lands into play. So you're still just doing the whole, like, Titan thing, and then it enters the battlefield and gets lands and does nothing. Like, I, I could just play Amulet and, and have, like, the out of killing you on turn two, or I could play the creativity deck that has the better normal fair game plan when you're not trying to nut draw. I, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Okay, so you will remember this, and I will forever remember when you said subtlety was going to make <laughs> Frag Time unplayable, okay? So now you have this, okay? <laughs> um, all right, the last honorable mention is Ogre Head Helm, one in a red for a 2-2 artifact creature equipment ogre. And it says, equipped creature gets plus two plus two. And whenever this or equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, you may sacrifice it. If you do, you discard your hand and you draw three cards. And you can reconfigure for three uh, for three mana. And obviously, the reason why we're talking about this card is because it costs two, right? So you can play it alongside Lurus. And I don't know. It just feels like you can do something I mean, whenever you see draw three cards in a two casting cost card, I don't know. I, I just have to point it out. <laughs> it's kind of like Bomat Courier-esque in a way. It reminds yeah. me of that card. But, like, it's more expensive and doesn't have haste, but it has the three cards already built in. You don't have to hit three times or whatever. It's interesting. I, I don't I don't really think it's going to see play, but it, it's definitely interesting. It's cool. I don't, yeah. I don't it know. is cool. I don't, I don't think you're actually trying to equip it to anything ever like i doubt you would do like red white hammer just to have this like maybe maybe you have it as a one of and it can be like another way to refuel like this and luris going is obviously like most things and luris is a combo right but maybe <laughs> yeah i don't see it but it's it's interesting again that's why it's an honorable mention maybe it's got some interesting text on it but it doesn't really seem like it'll get there yeah for sure for sure um it was cool enough though. Also, the the art is kind of cute. It's like a little robot head, <laughs> which I think is funny. Uh, Bonus points. Anyway, so those are honorable mentions. Now we move on to the the misses, the flukes. These are cards that people seem to be excited about, and of course, you know, Magic Twitter explodes whenever we have any any one of these. But they are kind of like. They feel like against the odds decks that are just never going to be good because just kind of by design, they don't really work in the context of what modern is. And the very first one is a card that we actually didn't talk about, even though it's been known for a while. And that's because this was one of the very first uh, cards that was previewed from, from the set. And it's called uh, Satoru Umesawa. For one blue and black, you get a legendary creature, Human Ninja. That's a 2-4. Actually, the 4 is nice because it survives bold, huh? You see? True. Uh, <laughs> still not good enough. Whenever you activate a ninjutsu ability, look at the top three cards of your library and you put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. This ability triggers only once each turn. And then it says each creature card in your hand has ninjutsu 2 one blue and one black. So, obviously, people are saying, well, you have this, you attack, and if they don't block you, you can just, you know, throw an Ember Cool at their face. <laughs> you, you don't get the attack trigger. Yeah, how, how many things uh, do you think are wrong about that 
statement. You, 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 I mean, you know, you, okay, you're putting you're putting ornithopters and emrakuls in your deck to then just fifteen someone after paying four mana and then having your three drop survive and connecting with the ornithopter. So like fifteen, you ain't bad, but like you you, you could just hammer someone, you know. You could just creativity the Emrakul into play. You get the trigger next turn. <laughs> There's just, like, way better ways to do the thing that this card's trying to do, I think. Way more reliable ways. It doesn't make it any less hilarious, though. Like, I, I imagine, like, you, you're getting paired against an awkward amulet draw or some, something that can't really interact with you, and then you just throw an Emrakul at your, your opponent's face on turn four. It's kind of cute. <laughs> it's gonna get uh it's it's definitely not gonna be good enough and i i really struggle to th- to see the world where where it could be um the only thing that for a second i was thinking oh maybe if you can you know put this alongside our ninjutsu things but why would you do that <laughs> just, just don't <laughs> just don't do that <laughs> and and you may win more matches um it, it, it's kind of sad because the legacy version of the ninjas deck is super sweet, but unfortunately we're missing the most important cards from 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 that deck. So I was expecting that we could see something like the the legend that sees place in the in the legacy version that I I don't know the, the name of the card, but there we go that one. And I was hoping that we could get something like that that could make ninjas a little bit more exciting or at least a little bit closer to playable in modern. Uh, but unfortunately, we're going to have to wait until the the next iteration of uh, Kamigawa or whenever we see Ninjutsu coming back. Modern Horizons 3. Hopefully. All right. The other miss that we wanted to talk about. Reality Heist. This is 5 blue blue for an instant. And it says this spell costs one less to cast for each artifact you control. You look at the top seven cards of your library. You may reveal up to two artifact cards from among them and put them into your hand. Put the rest in the body of your library in a random order. So basically, dig through time, right? With affinity, but but quick, do a barrel roll. It's a trap <laughs> because uh, all all these artifact decks. If you have enough artifacts to make this cheap, then you have a lot of cards that are kind of mopey and you're just like looking for that velocity so you're, you're probably just gonna every time play the eight cast kind of stuff like um, I was gonna thought say, monitor yeah. thought monitor and thought cast are just way better than that, right, right exactly so you just play those and then if eight draw spells weren't enough artifact payoff you could then look at this but at that point you're gonna have a hand of thought monitor thought cast and reality heist and your deck won't work because it already does that with eight yeah, I can't think of a scenario where you're playing this over the the eight cast spells already. Uh, it's a really cool card, you know. Dig through time's cool. It's a cool callback to to, to uh, dig through time, um, but I don't think this is a uh, a piece for modern just because we already have better options. Yeah, the only thing that I w- that I was considering is like maybe there's any deck where you want to hold up instance. Like, you want to hold up, like, a counter spell or something like that, and then, you know, if they don't play into your Metallic Rebuke, you just, you know, reality heist them. I guess. But at- There's also, like, a combo kind of thing, maybe. Like, if you need to dig for specific artifacts, you know, and it does dig really deep towards it. But I, I still, I, I don't know. So exactly where's a maybe. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, then you got, then you have were. Like, that's probably just better. You know, so I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird because it feels like it's, it's a nice power level, but it's in a weird spot where it just doesn't do one thing better than the other stuff. And it doesn't really help this other deck because like i'd much rather have where and find exactly the artifact that i'm looking for instead of you know hoping that i hit it if if i'm playing an ursa version of a deck like this so it's kind of weird like it feels like the power level is super close but it's just yeah it's just not gonna it's just not gonna make it and lastly we talk about the 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 last miss and this is gonna be an, an interesting little segue into into our top uh, our top 10 and that is because our 10th card is march of the otherworldly light which is x and then uh, we actually talked about this card on the previous episode x uh, for one white and one white sorry it's an instant as an additional cost to this to cast the spell you may exile a number of white cards from your hand this spell costs two less to cast for each card exiled this way and then you exile target artifact creature or enchantment with mana value x or less we talked about this card at length uh, last week uh, so we're not going to continue talking about that too much but every single other card in these in this cycle is not good <laughs> it's not good yeah, um, and it's and it's really really disappointing because i remember reading the green one and like i read the i read it the first time and i'm like wait what and then it's really funny because the more that you read it the worse and worse that it that it gets it, and it's called march of burgeon in life it has the same clause and the same uh, cost is X and green, and it's an instant. And it says, choose target creature with mana value less than X. You search your library for a creature uh, for a creature card with the same name as that creature. You put it onto the battlefield tapped, then you shuffle. And I read it really quickly, and I'm like, wait, am I seeing anything at instant speed? No, you are not. <laughs> you are definitely not. Number one, it says... Target, you have to choose a creature, so you need to find another creature with the same name. With the same name. And also, it doesn't say mana value equal, less or equal. It just says less. So, if you want to copy a one drop, like, you need to spend three mana. And not only that, but it also enters tapped. So it's not like you can even ambush your opponent's creature. Like, the more that you read this card, the worse and worse so and bad. worse that it gets. It's it's awful. And I honestly am upset about this card. <laughs> it's, see, it just, like, the, the, the cycle... Because we won't go too much into this cycle, honestly. P- people know about it. It was a pretty flashy thing that got, that got revealed. It feels like a whole cycle that was, like, had a lot of potential to be really strong I, i'm guessing they're supposed to be callbacks to the shoals yeah because it's yeah. like kind of shoal-esque and that was the original kamigawa and that was a really powerful cycle um disrupting shoal you know was strong for for a time um nourishing shoal was really big in like grishol brand uh blazing shoal is straight banned <laughs> like that card that card's just insane so so like that it's a callback to a really powerful cycle it seems like the pieces are there to be powerful but then they just put like all these little bits that just 
completely hamstringed, like, every one of the Hamstrung? All of these. Um, except for the white one. The white one does seem kind of playable, but the rest of them are just... They're, they're all just... Ugh, they're just not good. Yeah, it just feels like they were so scared that this could be busted. They played it safe. That they made them unplayable instead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they played it safe. Yeah, they they just played it played it a little bit too safe to the point where I think none of them is even remotely close to seeing play. I do want to make a, a little remark though. Like last week, we talked about the red one, and we didn't have the actual English uh, translation, and it actually works in the way that we thought it did, as opposed to like we said that the translation that we read. Sorry, it said that uh, you could play it this turn. But the actual card, like the actual translation, says that you can play it until the end of your next turn. So it actually works just the way that, um, you know, light up the stage or reckless simples. It just works in the same way that those cards do. So it does make it slightly more playable. Still, I don't think it makes it good enough anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just upsetting that they just undershot it by so much. Because it could have been... Like, there's so many clauses that you can take from the green one, and it still will be unplayable. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, anyway. So, March of the Other World of Light. So, the white version of, of, the, of the March cycle, that is the one that we chose uh, for our 10th place in our list. Number nine is another card that we discussed a little bit in our previous episode, and that is uh, Tameshi Reality Architect. For those of you that missed it, it's a 2 and a blue for a 2-3 legendary creature, Moonfolk Wizard, not Merfolk, Moonfolk. Whenever one or more non-creature permanents are returned to hand, you draw a card. This ability triggers only once each turn. And then for X and a white... You return a land you control to its owner's hand, and you return target artifact or enchantment card with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. You activate this only as a sorcery. So, I think this card is... It just has so much potential. It just has so, so much potential. And since since last week, I've also been thinking about it a little bit more, and I realized that the second clause, actually, you don't have to activate it only once each turn effectively, as long as you have lands, you can return a Mishra's Bubble or something like that for a white mana as many times as you want in your turn. And I actually hadn't thought about that. So, Also, you know, Mox Amber, you can return that. So as long as you have lands to do stuff, like the fact that you can work this with Mox Amber is what makes it, hmm, maybe this could be broken somewhere. I'm definitely not gonna be the one to break it. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna, gonna not be the one. But if some, I would not be surprised if all of a sudden this one, this goes from uh, our, the number nine in our list to a number three or something like that. Doubt that it's gonna be any higher than number three. Yeah, but still. I, I would be surprised. I, I, <laughs> I don't see the potential as much here, but, but I, I, I guess I kind of get it. I mean, getting back on Urza Saga is is powerful that, that's that's yeah. really yeah. all i have to say on it yeah and you can get as as many as you want right yeah but it's not you can't like i don't know yeah i guess i guess it's interesting yeah it's it just feels like 
it, they, they are usually kind of playing it super safe with this kind of cards lately, as they do in the first half, you know, like, this ability triggers only once each turn, but they're not saying you can only activate this once in the ability, in the activate ability, so that's why I'm like, hmm, maybe, yeah. maybe there's a way to break this. Again, not going to be the one to do it, but still wanted to point it out, because uh, it, it's actually quite interesting. Uh, coming up at number eight, this is kind of like a, a little bit of a cheat, but we put two cards together because if these are seen play, uh, the most likely thing is going to be that they're going to be seen play in the same deck, and that deck is living it. So what we have is Colossal Sky Turtle, that's four green, green, and blue for a six, five enchantment creature turtle with flying and ward, and then it has two channel abilities. For two and a green, you can discard this and return target card from your graveyard to your hand. Or for one and a blue, you can discard it and return target creature to its owner's hand. So the interesting thing about this card, obviously, is that it's a way to answer stuff like Lavinia or Meddling Mage or stuff like that. Um, we can also return, you know, a Force of Vigor that was used earlier. Um, you can it, it's just an actual regrowth for three mana so that's also pretty interesting it can allow you to to grind a little bit longer in in living end i don't know how many of these you can realistically play i am no living end player i think that spider is a little bit more well suited with his living end experience to talk about this one but yeah i i i mean i don't think either of them really make the cut i feel like the the the, the biggest part would be you know like answering problem cards and like you know, like the, the 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 red one doesn't quite kill it to fairy unless it's down tick. The, the the turtle, you know, you can bounce a creature, but you can't bounce a chalice. So it's kind of fighting for space with some of your other two mana things like brazen borrower or the uh, the giant two mana cycler. But you know, this isn't quite doing as much as that. Um, I, I do think the most notable thing to me about particularly colossal sky turtle is the fact that it is an enchantment creature, which maybe means you can play it in the worst cascade deck of resurgent belief so you could get back a, it, it like makes resurgent belief look a little more like living end of you can bring back a six five flyer with ward two which you know it's like kind of reasonable yeah and for the record the red one is uh, one that we did talk about uh, last week which is twin shot sniper three and a red for a two three reach artifact creature goblin archer that when it enters the battlefield, it deals 2 damage to any target, and you can channel it for 1 and a red, and it deals 2 damage to any target when you channel it. So that's that's the, the red one that Spider's referring to over here. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it does feel like if these ones do see play, they will be for sure in the in some sort of like living in uh, style deck, or like you're saying, in the Resurgent Belief deck. Uh, which I guess is not really that much of a deck, but maybe this can help it a little bit become uh, become playable. Who knows? Who knows? All right, coming up at number seven, Michiko Ra Reign of Truth. Michiko's Reign of Truth. There you go. So this one is actually kind of interesting because it's honestly it feels like the only playable saga <laughs> out of all of them. Oh no, there's one um, other. Remember the? Uh, uh, I guess. I guess. Yeah. I guess yeah, it's we, not the we only have one, one other coming up. We have another one. You're true. You're right. You're right. Um, definitely. Spoilers. Mm. Spoilers. There's another saga on this list. <laughs> oh, I, I messed it up. I you messed did. It up. You did. Anyway, it's okay. But yeah. <laughs> Michiko's Reign of Truth. One and a white for a saga. 
chapters number one and number two say target creature gets plus one plus one until end of turn for each artifact and or enchantment you control. And then uh, the same, uh, all the sagas in this set have the same chapter three, which is you exile it and then you return it to the battlefield transformed under your control. And then it's uh, it's called Portrait of Michiko in the other side. It's a zero zero enchantment creature, human noble. And it says Portrait of Michiko gets plus one plus one for each artifact and or enchantment you control. So the reason uh, that I like this card is because the front side is effectively a cranial plating. Right, I, I guess it's not it's it's not clear, but it's all that glitters, right? Like yep. that's the other, the other uh, enchantment that does the same the same or a similar effect, I guess. So it's an all that glitters on the front side, and then it turns into into an actual uh, construct ish or like a construct uh, si- similar to a construct, which it's kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting. I don't I don't think we currently have, I guess, a tempered steel or like all in affinity lists like the affinity lists that have started showing up are a little bit more they're a little bit slower and grindier uh, with you know thought casts and stoneforge mystics and stuff like that so it feels like those are the kind of um, the kind of decks uh, the, the kind of angle of attack that the affinity decks are choosing right now but if all of a sudden uh, an old school super aggro affinity version with something like frog mites or mirror enforcers and stuff like that if something like that were to show up again now you have access to you know more cranial plating ish style effects so how relevant that can be or not i'm not sure but this card it feels like it it may be there in terms of power level if that is what you're interested in trying to do it's always worth noting you know not not to beat a dead horse or cat as the case may be uh (laughs) it costs two right so it combos with Luris, and I mean, you know, this actually does create bodies. It's going to pump stuff until like shortly, so it takes a minute to to create another body. But it's not that's not irrelevant. So I like I don't know if Hammer would want anything like this, but technically, you know, they could play it, and it would make decently sized things. The fact that it's all that glitters without actually being an aura is kind of nice because it, it's not just going to die. You're not going to get two for one if you try to put it on something and then remove it in response. It's just, okay, you know, next turn, chapter two, try again. Um, and then creating a body itself means it's kind of decent in grinding. Um, and notably, that deck actually does play both auras and uh, or sorry, both enchantments and artifacts. So your Urza Sagas and your Sagarda's Aid will help pump as well as your, you know, your Ornithopter, your Memnite, your Hammer. Yeah, Saga pumping with this is kind of kind of sick, honestly. <laughs> I imagine that if anybody ever plays that or like builds something like that in paper, like that seems like such an easy thing to miss. <laughs> like you're playing against this deck and then you're like, oh yeah, I'll take five. Well, actually you take seven because I have two Sagas here. You know? <laughs> You're dead. <laughs> uh, anyway, sweet. On sixth, we have a super interesting one. This is this is such an interesting card to me. So it's called Experimental Synthesizer. And it's for one in a red, it's an artifact that it says when Experimental Synthesizer enters or leaves the battlefield, you exile the top card of your library until end of turn, you may play that card. And then it has an ability that for two and a red, you can sacrifice it and you create a 2-2 white samurai creature with vigilance, activate only as a sorcery. 
that's not really the important part. The important part is the first half. Again, like this is an artifact set, so obviously affinity is going to come to mind a lot. And uh, pairing this with something like uh, like a Ravager is really interesting. Um, notably because it just doesn't cost any mana. So like whatever you flip off of this, uh, not only does it uh, buff the Ravager, but it also draws a card, which is very nice. Uh, there's also stuff like Shrapnel Blast uh, that we have seen affinity decks play in the past. Um, I don't know how playable that card remains, but uh, I just realized you can play this in your Crack the Earth deck. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god, we have to ban Crack the Earth right now. This is this is getting out of hand. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what do you guys think about this one? You got anything to say about it? It's so out of my wheelhouse. I, I feel like it, it, it reminds yeah. me a little bit of like astrolabe not not in the sense that it fixes your mana but that it's a one mana artifact that kind of draws a card um and i I think that's kind of interesting i mean obviously it's harder to do this on one it doesn't go in as many decks etc etc but um you know if you have a bunch of zeros and whatnot in your deck you can you can kind of do some interesting things with this you know find your land drop play your ornithopter whatever it might be um so I, i i think it's certainly interesting for those artifact decks maybe there's something you know the the red artifact based decks that i immediately go to would be something with asmo which is kind of nice those decks need a little bit of help but i I don't know that this is the thing that they needed yeah that's fair that's fair Uh, i could see something this kind of spawning some new form of artifact decks as well right like having one mana it comes into play, draws a card, or like, you know, quote-unquote, draws a card. And then it just stays in play. You can use it to do, um, you know, to to enable your artifact creatures. It buffs your constructs or, or stuff like that. Um, and it works fairly well with number five in our list as well, which is called Moonsnare Prototype. Uh, for one blue, it's an artifact, and you can tap... Tap it and tap an untapped artifact or creature you control to add a colorless mana. And then you can channel for four and a blue and you discard Moosner Prototype and the owner of target non-land permanent puts it on the top or bottom of their library. This sort of very, very cheap artifacts that you can play early in the game and they either have some some staying power in the case of the first one card advantage in the case of this one um we have uh, mana mana generation like ramp so the fact that they, they can you can play them early they stay in play they uh, buff your artifact synergies they count for uh, your affinity count so you can cast your thought casts a little bit easier um, this one pairs super super nicely with thought cast and thought monitor by the way uh, it effectively nets uh, two mana right like uh, this is uh, effectively giving you one mana from the the affinity and then it can you can tap it to add another mana so that's insane it feels like the artifact decks, either the artifact decks that are right now are getting some very, very interesting uh, boost and some potential additions, or I could also see some entirely new artifact decks just being being spawned from, from cards like this. Like, this is just way too cheap, and it's too much value for, <laughs> for, such, a cheap, uh, for such a cheap thing. And also, like, in the late game, this just turns into removal. This is uncounterable removal. It's. I, I think this one is better with 
Urza than than Drum might be actually because you don't have to play Ornithopter and Memnite in your deck to make this do things right like um, this helps power out things like Emery if you're interested in that it's in the same colors so you can actually even go channel discard this and then get it back with Emery for the ramp afterwards which isn't meaningless um, I, I don't know I, I think particularly with Urza it's interesting because it does ramp you and it is the artifact so it just kind of fills that nice role that ever since they banned Opal those decks have been missing yeah, and the fact that this has late game uh, applications is is so good. Like <laughs> the more that I think about this card, the more like, yeah, like if your opponent's messing you up with like a Teferi or something like that, on the end step you just channel this and get rid of the Teferi. <laughs> you know, like it just like the passive doesn't matter at all. Um, and sure, like you're not putting a four mana and a blue removal spell in your deck because you want you know you know but it's just like the front side of this is very good and it also has a fail safe for whenever you're flooding right like, so whenever it's in the late game you don't care about the mana sweet like you just drew a removal spell instead so the fact that you have such such insane flexibility and with two very powerful effects because you can have flexibility with not very good effects and it's not really gonna get you anywhere and you know we see that with <laughs> we see that with like commands and and stuff like that um but this one actually has some very very powerful effects on both sides and at, at a very reasonable cost honestly all right coming up at number four we have Idetsugu consumes all the other saga <laughs> this is the saga <laughs> this is the saga that i spoiled earlier <laughs> oh man Silly me. This one's pretty cool. Yeah, this one's nice. This one's very, very interesting. So, it's a saga. One black and red. And uh, number one, the first chapter says, destroy each Nolan permanent with mana value one or less. Of course, this blows up the entire hammer deck. <laughs> Just straight up, put it in the garbage. There we go. <laughs> uh, destroys Death Shadows, Monkeys, DRCs. Uh, we right now live in a modern format that is very, very one-drop uh, heavy. So the fact that this takes care of all of it and even includes stuff like Cigar the Save and um, other kinds of permanents that are otherwise hard to, to interact with is very nice. So that's chapter one. Chapter two is Exile All Graveyards. So again, pretty good against DRCs, pretty good against Lurus decks, etc., and then, as it's customary in this in this set, you exile the saga, then you return it to the battlefield, transformed under your control. And on the other side, we have the vessel of the all-consuming, which is an enchantment creature ogre shaman. It's a three-three trample. When it deals damage, you put a plus one plus one counter on it. And whenever it deals damage to a player, if it has dealt ten or more damage to that player this turn, they lose the game. This just feels like gravy, honestly. <laughs> like the, uh, the 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 very fr the front side seems like the, the the important aspect of this card, but it's definitely very nice to have, though. I would say that it's very very nice to have. Um, do you guys know what what are the rulings in terms of like this is three CMC, right? Even though it's flipped. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and does this have uh, haste? 
Because you have to exile and then you put it in, into play. So, oh, like, can I you attack? Don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I actually have no idea. How does that work with other flip creatures? I think, don't a lot of them, like, like doesn't Ormondal, that land that flips into one, doesn't he get haste on the back? So that makes me think that they don't have haste. Yeah, the like, old ha- school stuff, like Delver just says transforms. It's not exile. So I, I actually mm, okay. think in this case, you won't be able to attack right away. But... I, okay. I don't think it's a okay. huge deal of, you know, you, you just got a 3-3 out of the deal that can get bigger. And, the, the, I mean, the, the front half is really just like, fuck your Luris, right? It's like, blow up your stuff, and then you're not getting it back. <laughs> and and, and that, that's that's good. That's what you want in modern. So it's like, I don't know what black-red deck is out there that isn't playing Luris, but if you had one, this helps. Yeah, that, that that is that is the big issue, right? Like the fact that three is um, it's a problematic uh, mana cost for black red decks. But in the past, we did see some black red decks that were playing Blood Moon. Uh, I remember at one point Willie Adel was pi- uh, piloting uh, like see some Pyromancer deck that it was uh, red black and it had like Liliana of the Veil and it was main decking uh, for Blood Moons. So I don't know if this. Is the card that's going to make a deck like that come back? But if it were to come back, now it has access to this card. So I feel like it's it's probably more something like that, I would exactly. assume. I, I could see, you know, if, if you're still playing that uh, Evoke Elemental, bring it back, like that red-black deck, you know, with uh, yeah. Fury, Grief, that whole shenanigans. Um, oh, yeah. This, this could be nice <laughs> there if, if, if you're still into that. I mean, I'm surprised that deck didn't top eight the challenges last weekend because it's right up that <laughs> same kind of place. We are approaching the top three. These are the top of the top. These are the some of the best cards that... At, at this point, I think it's fair to say these ones are almost guaranteed to see play in, in Modern. And coming at number three, we have Secluded Courtyard. And this is, of course, the, um, I guess strictly better uh, uncharted territory right unclaimed territory sorry that you know enters the battlefield you choose a creature type you can tap this for colorless uh, it's a land by the way <laughs> and you add mana of any color you can spend this to cast a creature spell of the chosen type or activate abilities of a creature uh, or creature card of the chosen type so again if you have a, a creature with channel in your hand you can actually use this to pay for for that effect and we're this is the safe bet that we made. <laughs> like, any tribal deck that was playing Unclaimed Territory is now gonna play this instead. Like, it's just, like, basically a strict upgrade. Or, or just both. Like, it, it, more more likely they're gonna play both. Like, it... Yeah. It, it, like you said, super safe bet. Like, if there's anything in this format that I would say 1,000%, like, someone will play this, it's definitely... I mean... The things above this list too, but like, there's nothing really like fancy to say about this card, right? Like, it's just like a, a playable version of this already exists in the format. It sees play, and this is like a slightly better one. It's a That's shame it. because <laughs> those decks need help, and this isn't the kind of help they needed, but they'll take it. Yeah, they'll take it, and, and and you know, I I think it would be crazy to say that modern will never see humans return. You know, I like. That that just isn't true. Like there, you know, it doesn't take much for a deck like that to just like snap back into modern. 
And when it does, it will probably be playing this card. Yeah. And there, there's like stuff like slivers or elementals in decks like that, which which have been uh, pretty solid in the past. Although I guess the elementals deck kind of pivoted a little bit, but that's that's a different story. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, definitely is just a fantastic land to have in the format. Yeah, tribal decks definitely need to come back at some point. Hopefully they do. Number two. Number two. Uh, this card is kind of awesome, actually. And I think Spider, you're going to have a lot to to tell us and to educate us on this one. Uh, why, don't you, why don't you read it yeah, yourself? Yeah, I was going to ask you if I could take this one. You, you, just, you just got most of the top 10 is just Fran's top 10. <laughs> so... Dude, I'm... I'm I'm hosting here. All right, okay? all right. All right. <laughs> so th- this one is Lion Sash. It is a artifact creature equipment cat. It costs one and a white. It's a one one, and it's it's basically scavenging ooze. But I'll, I'll go ahead and read it out so you have a better idea. It has white exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a permanent card, put a one one counter on Lion Sash. Equip creature gets plus one plus one for each one one counter on Lion Sash, and you can reconfigure for two colorless. So the reconfigure cost is pretty low. I don't know how often that'll happen. You might just put it on some big beefy thing or like a flyer, you know, something like that to to sneak damage through. Um, But more so, it's just a lot like scavenging ooze. You don't don't gain life off of it, but it it can actually just get bigger off of anything. So, you know, exile your fetch land. Now it's a 2-2. I think that's a very big deal. It's also worth noting, in case you missed it, this is an equipment. So you can actually tutor this with Stoneforge Mystic. I, I know we mentioned that briefly on our last episode of all the reconfigure cards. You know, look out for some big thing. Um, maybe there's like a Coldra-like card. And I actually really like the space that this is in because it's hard to get bigger and badder than, you know, Batter Skull and, and Coldra, stuff like that. This card's just really flexible, and it's just totally playable, even not as an equipment. But the fact that Stoneforge can grab it is really nice. Um, you can also Stoneforge this in, so that means you have a way of putting a uncounterable Scavenging Ooze that's tutorable into play, which is, that's really good. Um, it's also just a creature by itself, so if you needed that army in a can kind of effect, uh, it, notably it costs two, so you can have that with Luris. You don't have to have Colder or Batter Skull to get a creature equipment thing. And then you start to think about the applications of this card. So, you know, somewhere like Hammer, you actually have a now Flash Scavenging Ooze with Cigar to Zayn. That, you know, it's gravy if you want to equip it to something, but just Flash Scavenging Ooze alone is is quite good. It's also worth noting that it cantrips if you have pure steel paladin in play, which is great. Um, So, I mean, this card kind of does it all. It starts to get really interesting if you want to get into the weeds. Uh, You know, some of the old versions of Hammer, like if you played the the Red Splash, you could actually do some weird stuff with this. So the, I believe it is the Magnetic Theft, the red attach and equipment you control, so technically, if your opponent went to, let's say, Fatal Push your Lion Sash as a creature, you could pay a red and equip it to something so that it doesn't die to the Fatal Push, which is, frankly, that's just sick. Like, that, that that's awesome. Um, but notably in the format at large, you know, you're, you're shrinking stuff like uh, Drown in the Lock so that it's not as good. You, you can make sure Merc Tides are a little bit harder to reach, stop those Snapcasters. This card just 
kind of does it all. And even if you're not Hammer, you know, you, those those last D&T guys out there, SFM this and then vial it in. Like, it, this card's great. Yeah, even in Legacy, you can recruit her for this, which is sick. I guess if you're playing red-white taxes, you could recruit her for this with the Imperial Recruiter in Modern. It pitches a solitude, too. I mean, it, it, it's just, it just covers the whole gambit. This, this one's pretty sick. Like, the fact that it gross of every permanent is something that I read uh, that I missed on the first read so the fact that you can you know mess with your opponent's ren and the the dude gross in the process is is pretty sick actually like I, I I totally have missed that that little bit about this card yeah this I mean this card kind of has it all in terms of what you want out of uh, what makes a good modern card. Right, like what makes a card in a standard set that can see play in in modern or like eternal formats for that matter? It has the flexibility. It has a cheap cost. It works with lures. Uh, it has like the the tricks and the, the the synergies and interactions with with cards that are legal in those formats. It's it's kind of like the the whole package. It's kind of the whole package. So definitely pretty stoked about this. And of course, any any excuse to you know make shadow shadow players sadder, <laughs> I'm I'm all for it. All right, number one, number one. We totally cheated on this one <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> we totally cheated for this one. So the number one is drum roll. All of the lands from this cycle, uh, from the cycle with the legendary lands, because obviously if we you know, talked about each one of these lands individually, it would be like number one through five or something like that because these lands are very, very good. We already talked about them uh, last week. We talked about Boseju, we talked about Eganjo, and those are like the green and the white ones. Uh, there's uh, the red one, which is Sokensan and Takenuma, so we were o- only missing the blue one, and Evan was very, very sad because it we thought that it was going to grant the creature unblockable. <laughs> and then it was insane. Then it ended up being great. And I'm super happy about it. And it ended up being like the second best one. I'm pumped. It's going in all my, all my decks, all of them. It's great. Yeah. Talk, talk to us about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we, when we were first talking about it, I, I, I actually said it was going to be one of two things. It was either going to bounce a creature or it was going to make something unblockable. And it is Bounce a Creature, but it's not just Bounce a Creature. It's Bounce a Creature, an Artifact, an Enchantment, or a Planeswalker. So for four mana, uh, and then it has the, like, whatever text. It's going to cost one less for each legendary creature. That's literally never going to matter. Uh, maybe if I Archmage <laughs> Charm steal a Ragavan or whatever. But um, it is a it is a instant speed, get around Teferi way to bounce a Teferi. That's what I'm so excited about mm. and terrified about because I also play Teferi's. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> um, but, but Teferi's, like, the biggest issue for every blue deck I've ever played is three mana Teferi. He's always such a problem, and this being an uncounterable instant speed way where on somebody's end step I can go bounce that Teferi, and it is happening. That Teferi is off the table, and I'll probably be able to counter it on the way back down is, like, so sick. Um, super excited. And then, obviously, yeah, Artifact, Creature, Enchantment. These aren't slouches either, right? Like, Enchantment, you actually can, like, bounce an Urza Saga in the middle of the game to prevent it from getting to, like, two in chapter. Or you can, you know, 
anything. It's just good. <laughs> like, it's just so good. It's, it's all of the relevant permanent types. Like, it's just, it's great. It was so much better than I thought it was going to be. It's a little bit on the pricey side being four mana to do this effect. And of course, in a control deck, you want to be making your land drops. So, you know, are you going to end up just playing it a lot of the time? Potentially. Um, but, but man, th this is like exactly what I would have wanted for the blue land. I'm super, super excited about it. Just the fact that it is an uncounterable instant speed way that you can play through a Teferi to answer Teferi is just like the biggest game. I mean, it it terrifies me that you just play this in Cascade. Like, it answers Chalice and Teferi uncounterably at instant speed. Like, is that not terrifying to you? Shut your mouth, <laughs> all right? Don't mention the fact that it goes into Cascade, okay? I'm looking at this in my decks where I've got Snapcasters and Counter Spells and, 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 and Cool Guy Magic cards, all right? Don't... Uh, <laughs> Don't make me think about the bad applications of this card, okay? Uh, but yeah, I guess it does do that too. That is a little concerning. I, I will say it's a little... Um, whenever there's like a a thing that is uncounterable, uh, is like that I can play in control decks, it's always like an exciting thing and then a scary thing. So like when that like Chandra Awakened Inferno came out, I was like, oh my god, this card's insane. Like I get to play this to just like dumpster control mirrors. Then it was like... Oh, but I play control decks. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's it, like, every time, anytime there's something that's uncounterable. I always love the sick, uncounterable, like, threats or whatever. I always love those, but then always remember that I'm also the one playing counter spells. Um, and this is just one of those, I don't know, I'm pumped. It's not make a creature unblockable, and instead it's, like, super sick. Little on the pricey side, but it's super sick. Tell me. Is it time for Tales End to make its return to modern? People were talking about that in my stream a little bit. Uh, you know, I don't think so. Uh, but, but if you are playing something that coincidentally has Tales Ends, if you're doing some kind of Lotus Field thing, you know, that's the thing that Spike's done for a while, and a lot of people like those style of decks. This, the, the Tales End stock does go up a little bit, right? It is, it is a little bit better now. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. All these effects, all these lands doing these things at instant speed in an uncounterable fashion is interesting. All, all I'm going to say My there walkers feel a little is less safe. I'm excited about Stifle. You know, if I had Stifle, like, I'm doing Manatide things, so if you could Stifle these, woo, that would be hot. But who's who's stifling there's no stifle no, no but i wish there was <laughs> you do not wish stifle was in modern nobody wishes stifle was god. in modern oh my god i mean if i'm boom busting and manatee then i'm pretty sure i'm also stifling dude you like beginning of this for beginning of this stream you like barely knew about this deck and now all of a sudden you're already boom busting <laughs> <laughs> what are you? What are you? Have you been playing while we've been doing this podcast? Just in my mind, in my mind. Yeah, okay. he's been boom busting for hours now. <laughs> boom busting. Yeah. Anyways, these are these are sick. They're all sick. The blue one, I'm super excited for. The green one's obviously like the big one. We talked about it a lot last time. Besaju, that one. We we talked about the applications of this card a ton already. But the, these two, I think, stand above the rest. Um, you said, you know, we would, these would probably be slots one through five on our top 10. I don't think that's actually true. I think it would be the, the green and then the blue and then maybe like lion slash actually lion's sash makes its way kind of in between there, maybe then the other ones or something. But, um, but yeah, I, as, a, as resident blue player, I'm very excited about the blue one. 
Hundred uh, percent. For reference, uh, let's let's go over the 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 cycle real quick. And one thing that I, I think it's it could be interesting is uh, I would like to to how would we rank this in terms of like relevance for the format and in ter- in terms of impact, I guess you know because I, I'm not, I'm not ne- not necessarily talking about power level. I'm talking about impact, like how relevant they're going to be to the format, like how often we're going to see them. So. Um, Bosaiju is the first one, you know, is that's the green one for one and a green. You get to the, uh, you, you know, all of them have the same ability. So channel one and a green in this case. You discard it and you destroy target artifact, enchantment, or non-basic land and opponent controls. That player may search the library for a land card with a basic land type, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. And then this ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control. All of them, all of the cycle have the same clause as well. A Ganjo is the white one, uh, it taps for white, it channel for two and a white, and you discard it and it deals four damage to target attacking or blocking creature. The red one is Sokensen, Crucible of Defiance, and for three and a red, uh, you can create two 1-1 one, one colorless spirit creature tokens and they gain haste until end of turn. And finally, Takenuma, Abandoned Mire. Uh, for three and a black, you can uh, mill three cards and then return a creature or planeswalker card from your graveyard to your hand. So, if we had to rank them like one through five, how do we feel in terms of impact they they would be ranked? Green, blue, red, white, black, green, blue. The other three are re- are pretty close, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that's why it it's was really. I think it's. Is. I think it's definitely green, blue. Not that far behind green, but behind green, and then the other three all seem very like i i feel like we would see the other three pretty evenly maybe the red more than the other ones i think i, I don't know what do you what do you think spider i so i actually disagree on a lot of that so i actually think i would put blue before green just because i think there are more decks that will want it like i, I think the green one is mm. very good in like amulet and Tron, and then it's like kind of meh in like Ren decks or like, you know, the other things. We mentioned this about, you know, for the Cascade decks as well, but the the blue one, I think you just will play over the green in Cascade every time. All of your Cascade decks, by and large, are blue-based anyway, so that you can cast your Shardless Agents, you know, you can play your Force of Negations, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I think it just like goes in more places because it's also doing the control thing, like you mentioned so I, I think I would actually go blue-green, and then I'm going white. Um, I actually think, you know, there, there's the occasional, and maybe this is just my bias as, like, the taxes guy, right? Um, yeah, I, I think this kills a decent number of things. Um, it doesn't kill that much. I'm probably only playing it as a one-of, and it's, like, every once in a while I'll be like, cool, I killed your Ragavan, right? Um, the red one, you know, Armina can effect is great, but... I just don't really see many decks wanting this. And it's like, you know, you're kind of in that Dwarven mind space, which is fetchable. So I have a really hard time seeing decks that would want that. And then the the black to me is like at the far bottom. Like I think white and red are very close. I think green and blue are fairly close. And and black is just like way down there of like, okay, where do I want to mill three things and then return a creature planeswalker for three and a black? Like, I don't know, am I doing, like, Amulet with Heartless Summoning or something like that? Like, I, I don't even know. Wow, you're going real deep, huh? 
Well, I, I mean, I would argue that, first of all, the white one, um, I thought it was deals for damage target attacking, but it's actually attacking or blocking. So the fact that you can just attack with your random Esper Sentinel or whatever, and now your opponent with their Dryad, if you're playing against Amulet or something like that, they just cannot block. Oh, yeah. Because if they block, you just blow it up. I mean, I'm going <laughs> to so... attack you with Thalia. You go to block with Primetime, I'm going to pay white and a one, and it's going to just die. I kept oh. Thalia. It's, it's so good. Oh, my God. Wow. Uh, no, but f- for real, like the fact that it, that it targets blocking creatures is just, it feels kind of huge. And then we have stuff like, uh, and, and then we have the red and the black one. And the red, I feel like it's the one that's going to combo the best with Ren and Six. Because like Ren naturally wants you, you know, naturally helps you to hit your land drops. And after you have hit all of the land drops that you want to hit you know once you have exhausted all your fetchables or whatever then you can start to use this as like every turn you're you're throwing in either strong blockers or stuff to um to um pressure planeswalkers and stuff like that uh eventually maybe you have enough one ones that you just actually kill your opponent that would be nice too but seems a little bit less likely uh but i think that takenuma also is kind of nice with renesix actually or like even in Lurus decks, you know, like when you get to the late game, you can just end step, get back my Lurus that you killed a couple of turns ago, uh, and then like you untap, you play the Lurus, and like you're you're just going again. Like the engine is online again. I feel like the black is better than you're making it to that, be. That's fair. Honestly. I mean, also those black decks are playing. You know, you're going to be playing stuff like Ragavan and uh, you know Torok that's right. anyway. So. Like that and the white one, you know, in playing something like Thalia, I feel like those are the, I guess red has Ragavan again. So like you, you do have some legends in those colors that you might play, whereas I can't really think of a single blue or green legend that you would really be playing, like maybe green with Titania or something, but. Mm, Asusa, baby. Oh, there you go. And about the white one, Evan, I was about to tell you, like, Blue white, you know, we saw blue white kind of race to prominence, mm-hmm. and it was like one of the best decks. And then everybody started playing Torak, and all of a sudden it's just like, oh well, I cannot play blue white anymore. But yeah. a Ganjo kind of gets rid of Torak very nicely, though. It does, but there there is quite a high price on non-blue lands in that deck, similar to how mm-hmm. like in the past we had when we had um, Sanctuary Mystic Sanctuary. There's a really high price on non-island lands, we still have a really high tax on non-blue lands. Um, you know, being counter four counterspell, four Archmage's Charms, like, it, it's tricky. It's tricky. Like, the only one we're really playing is the basic planes, and that's just for, like, Blood Moon game, you know? Well, but now you can you can balance the Blood Moon with Otawara anyway, so you don't even need to play the... <laughs> that's the true, that's true, you can. I would be careful... Uh, it's worth noting all of these naturally grow Turok because channel is discard. <laughs> <it's> discard. <laughs> oh, that's great. That, yeah, I, I actually can imagine a, a lot of people, including myself, getting caught by this. <laughs> that's that's kind of sick, actually. Okay. To wrap things up, big set. Like, really a big set for, for Modern. Like, whenever when we did the Crimson Bow episode, 
we kind of, you know, uh, scrape together, try to figure out, okay, how are we going to, you know, find cards that we actually want to talk about. Uh, this time around, it was a lot easier to find <laughs> to find 10 cards that I wanted to discuss. And that is even after we cheated and we piled all of these uh, insane lands all together. So this really, really feels like... Uh, a, I would say that since, I guess, Kalheim was the last time we had a, a set this impactful. I think so, right? Like, that was the last time, like, Kalheim had Valky in uh, the the, the Valky uh, counterspell. In a very different way. Like, that set had two things that were stupid, busted in modern, and then, like, kind of nothing. And this has, like, a bunch of, like, yeah, that's pretty reasonable. I'll, I'll give that a shot. <laughs> yeah. That that's yeah that that's a fair assessment, but we have not seen this this much impact. Like we had like one card per set. I feel like <laughs> since 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 Kalheim, and none of those were bannable either. Yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to to trying this this new set. Do you guys have like any? like brews that you're particularly interested in trying or anything like that or is it going to be just evan throwing otawa in every single deck he ever plays that it, one it's just just that <laughs> it's just that one <laughs> i'm just super excited to do that you know i i, I there's some cool stuff going on with lion slash is li- i keep saying lion slash lion sash um it, it wouldn't be unreasonable that i end up playing like something with that in it just like playing around with some stone blade thing or something but but yeah i'm i'm Otawara is like far and away what i'm most excited for i don't think like most of these cards aren't build around so much as role players which is pretty interesting like none of them scream like build a whole deck right um so i don't know maybe i'll like try weird versions of hammer where i'm gonna like you know uh instant speed flash in lizard blades on my hammered thing like got them right <laughs> um it, it won't be good but you know you, you, you might try that um i i, I do think the biggest, like, sort of figure-me-out ones are the two artifact cards in the Experimental Synthesizer and Moonsnare prototype. Um, I will probably try some Urza Moonsnare deck and and see what can happen. Um, but of course, yeah, I'm definitely most excited about Lion Sash and, I don't know, like, how many do you play in Hammer? Is it one? Is it two? Is it four? Um, and I'm playing probably two in Taxes. So I guess you're not the one uh, messing around with Satoru Umesawa, huh? Not today. It's not going to be you, you, huh? Disappointing. Yeah, I feel like if you really wanted to brew, I feel like this set gave us uh, more than the average set, I would say. And hopefully it's one of those things where, and I'm hoping that it revitalizes or at least gives new tools to to already kind of hurt like i have high hopes for secluded courtyard for example i really hope that that helps the tribal decks uh come come back a little bit maybe it's not gonna be i don't know i don't know but i'm i'm trying to be hopeful maybe better (laughs) mana is what those what those decks needed maybe just a land that can cast vile on one uh, is what humans needed to be good again it's not but (laughs) (laughs) oh man all right anyway sweet folks let's wrap it up let's wrap it up 
Uh, thank you everybody for listening. If you've made it all the way up until this point, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. And uh, this was another episode of Mishra's Bubble. Uh, so where can we uh, find you in the internet, folks? Uh, you can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Everos, and on uh, Twitter, Everos TTV. And I've actually been using Twitter lately. I've been putting... Um, uh, like shit memes <laughs> <laughs> of uh, just uh, just funny things that happen to me while playing Magic. So uh, there's a point to it now, which is great. It's, I mean, it's, isn't that what Twitter is about anyway? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I never use it, so maybe. I <laughs> well, now you know. Uh, yeah. it's, it's true. I saw him post about a game where he drew the game. So I... I I went to a game four on Magic Online. <laughs> that like never happens. It was great. Wait, but what, during this, let me explain how it happened really quick because it was great. Okay, dude, it was such an absurd way for a game to hit a draw. You don't hit a draw in Magic all that often. Okay, I know we're doing our sign off, but listen, our opponent has fourteen cards in their library. I'm playing Mill. Don't ask why I'm playing Mill. It was it, it was it, terrible. I'm playing Mill. They have fourteen cards in their library, and they have a creature with sword of fire and ice on it. And they have an Esper Sentinel, and they attack me. So they Esper Sentinel and Sword of Fire and Ice are forced draws. So they hit me. The sword trigger went on the stack, and in response, I archive trapped them. I purposely did not pay for Esper Sentinel, so they had to draw a card, which put them to zero cards. I went to two life. And Sword of Fire and Ice dealt two to me and made them draw a card. So they lost for milling and I lost for going to zero life. And it drew the game. It was sick. That's actually pretty sick, yeah. <laughs> we were both, both, just, we were both depressed. Like, it was, we were like, we, we, it was on the stack and we were both just like, who wins? What happens? And it just goes, good game. It's a draw. And so we both started getting ready for game it, four. It, it says it's a draw, but in reality, you both lost. It was just two losses, yeah. That's kind of funny. Uh, I mean, they... Because uh, I think with with Sword, you can choose to, to deal the damage and draw or not. So it's like you're either doing the damage no, no, and the draw. No, no, no. It's draw. You're either doing both or neither. So it's like... No, no, no. I think it's, it, it is forced. Really? I be, I'm pretty sure it is a it is a force trigger. Um, I, I was reading them both, and it says deal two damage to a thing and draw a card. Like I don't believe it's a may. Um, All right, I was gonna say I thought they had the choice yeah. of either losing next turn or making you draw. Right. But no, no, no. I sealed our fates. <laughs> it was happening. <laughs> like that trigger went on the stack. It was like, and it's over. Archive trap. <laughs> nice. Yeah, there if were no I'm decisions. going down, you're going down with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they did then win game four, so, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm happy for them. Anybody still jamming sort of fire and ice is, is my bud. Uh, I'll sign off with that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SpiderspaceMTG or on Twitch at Spiderspace. And you can find me on, uh, not so much on Twitch, but definitely on YouTube, Patreon, and Twitter at MTG. Thank you so much for checking out Mistress Bubble. We will be back soon. Stay tuned, and we'll see you the next time. Bye-bye.